Good morning, Grace Church. Good to see y'all. That's a good answer. Good way to be. Everybody's awake and live. That's good. Awesome. Uh, we're glad you're here this morning. Glad for those that are viewing online. Um, usually that's my daughter in Colorado, but she's back today, so I'm thankful. Yeah, so... Anyway, we are so glad to be able to uh, be able to speak to you this morning from God's word. Uh, last week, Bob spoke on the disciples and all the, the uh, reasons that they were being hated, right, um, from uh, the community and those around them and all the persecution they were, they were facing. And yet, um, I love the, the main theme I took away from that was this, True persecution doesn't tear the church apart. It, builds, it brings us together. It unifies us and makes us stronger. And that was a really important and good point last week. Well, this week, um, we're going to talk about what is our resources, what is our resource in living that life um, as, as it's tough? Because sometimes it is tough to live that Christian life, isn't it? Okay? And so what is that resource? And we're going to find out that that resource is the one who comes alongside. And so, but before we jump into that, I, I want to just say, share a time where I felt that kind of a feeling of somebody coming alongside. I was a, uh, I just gotten my driver's license and I was out with some of my friends and I was in my uh, parents' car and uh, my brother Norm, my oldest brother Norm, had gotten on this economy kind of deal and decided he'd sell his gas guzzler to my parents and buy this Capri that got like 25 miles per gallon, which I didn't mind. I know because that meant that I got to drive my parents car which was his old car which was a 69 Mach 1 Mustang I'm telling you and that is baby blue black stripes bucket seats 351 engine had the hood scoops it had the turn signals on the hood scoop I mean it was a sweet ride so I got to be able to drive that so I'm out that night um, driving it, and I'm coming home. It's probably about 10, 10:30 at night, and I come up over a hill, and there had been people backing out of that out of the driveway, four vehicles, and I hit them 55 mile an hour. Boom, 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 and um, praise the Lord, nobody was hurt. Um, but that Mach one was really hurt. It was totaled. Um, and I knew right then I was a sinner, okay? <laughs> Anybody who wrecks a car like that needs to be understood that they're a sinner. Um, so, I, you know, I ran inside to use the phone because cell phones didn't exist then. Okay, ran inside, asked him if I could borrow the phone because um, there's there like uh, 500 people there. It was just people all over. And but I went inside to see if I could use their phone. I called my dad. My mom answers and I said, hey, is dad there? He says, he's sleeping. I said, uh, I need to talk to dad. She goes, well, he's sleeping. I said, mom, I need to talk to dad. And dad gets on the phone. He says, yeah, I said, dad, I wrecked the car. And I can still hear his voice. Billy, Billy, Billy. You know, and he goes, how bad is that? I said, you can't drive, it's bad. Billy, Billy, Billy. You know, he goes, where you at? I said, Fowler's Hill. He goes, right around the corner? I go, yeah, Billy, Billy, Billy. And he, he says, all right, I'll be there. And he hung up the phone. And then I called my brother, Russ. Not my oldest brother, Norm. And I'm going to tell my wrecked little car. Um, called my brother Russ and said, Russ, you need to get here. Dad's going to kill me. And so, and Dad, Russ, my brother Russ lived like 10 miles away. 
And he got there before my dad. He was doing like 120 on his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, in the dark, not recommended, but he got there. And um, dad did not kill me, obviously. Um, uh, but I want you to know the next week, my brother got in a bunch of fights um, because apparently I had broken up this big kegger at the top of the hill of all these underage high schoolers. And they were talking about what a jerk kid this was that wrecked the car. And my brother was just punching them. <laughs> and um, anyway, all I got to say is we all want somebody to stick up for us like that, don't we? We want somebody there who's going to stand for us. And I want you to know that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life, we have that one who comes alongside. Isn't that awesome? And today we're going to talk about him. You know, this is the third time in six months I've been asked to speak on the Holy Spirit. I don't know what God's trying to say to me, but I really want to get it right. And so let's go and let's pray. How's that sound? Father in heaven, Thank you for a beautiful sunrise this morning. Thank you for another day of life I don't deserve, but you've given it to me, so thank you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, being buried and rising again, and offering me eternal life and giving me faith to believe. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us today in this very room. Thank you for each of these who have made time to be here this morning. Father, I pray that you'll speak to us and help us not leave the same. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Well, we're in John chapter 15 and then into 16, and we're going to be reading. So if you want to follow along, I'm going to be reading there. Beginning in verse 26 of John chapter 15. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you this, not so that when the time comes, you will remember, I, oh, excuse me, I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, the advocate. But I will go to you, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness, and judgment in regards to sin, because men do not believe in me, in, right, in regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regards to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. It's awesome to be able to read God's Word, you know, and know that it is, it's not like any other book, right? Um, it, it's living and active, these words are. And I see three things in this passage that I want to talk about today. The first thing is that it says here that the Holy Spirit testifies. It says when the advocate or counselor comes, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been me with me from the beginning. Once again, isn't it awesome that we see the Trinity at work here? The Trinity at work here, it says, when the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send, I as Jesus, will send to you from the Father. Again, another name for the Holy Spirit mentioned here is the Spirit of Truth. And again, in verse 13, we see the Spirit of Truth. Man, we live in a world today where the truth is not only being questioned, but it's being denied, right? And man, we have to understand that God's word is truth. There aren't, you know, I've had some, lots, lots of people come up to, you know, as I'm talking to them, there are no absolutes. And, you know, I just usually somewhat jokingly respond, well, isn't that an absolute? And, and they're like, okay, maybe. <laughs> and I'm like, so again, we want to be able to say, you know, hey, Jesus claimed that he is the truth, right? John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, okay? We read here that the spirit is truth. And in Hebrews, we read that it's impossible for God to lie because he is the truth, okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Can I just say to you, he can be trusted, Okay, I know people today take, don't believe that this word can be trusted, but I want you to know it can be. And not only can it be trusted, it's meant to be trusted. It's meant to be understood and believed and trusted and our guide for life and all those kind of things. God's story, the Bible, is, is inspired, inerrant, and in charge. And that's the truth that we are supposed to testify to. Okay? says the Spirit testifies, but we must also testify. You got to believe that these, after last week's message, people were in, in the face of all this opposition. What is the tendency to want to do? We want to kind of back away. We want to kind of maybe huddle up and not, and not testify, right? But that's not at all what we see happening here. He says we must also testify. Interesting, when you read the book of Acts about the early church, Oftentimes, they were told to shut up about Jesus. Today, we have to talk to people about speaking up about Jesus. Man, we've come a long way. The Spirit wants to testify within us. Why? Because of our, and it goes back to our key verse in chapter 20, verse 31, right? Because these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus and us as our followers, we're supposed to do the same. We're supposed to testify about him. The next thing I see in this passage is that the Holy Spirit multiplies. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to Father where you cannot see me, no, you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. At the time, the ministry of Jesus was localized. 
And Jesus, if we were going to reach, go to the ends of the earth and be his witness to the end of the earth, we're going to have to multiply that. God's plan for that was him coming to earth, being born in a baby. We're going to celebrate that soon at Christmas, right? But growing up, being tortured and beaten and killed for our sins, being buried and rising from the dead, all that is God's plan. That is God's way. His power, his, right now, he is physically with his disciples, right? He was physically with them, okay? His power, his wisdom, his guiding, his strength, his comfort, the way, the truth, and life, all physically with them, right? But now God is he's promising something even better. Did you get that? He's promising something even better. Not only is he going to be with us, he's going to be within us. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we take, we take God with us wherever we go now. What an awesome, big difference, huge, huge, huge turning point, right? Okay, the Holy Spirit is not only comes alongside, but he resides inside. He's not just with us, Emmanuel, right? God with us, but he's within us. Now, wherever believers go, wherever believers do, we literally have God with us. That's right, we have God in our bod, right? He's with us wherever we go, right? And so God can multiply those who testify about him. So we're going to give you a real clear example here of what it means to be the difference between multiplication and localized ministry. So I need everybody to stand up. Okay, go ahead if you can. And uh, Paul, will you come up here? You're going to be Jesus. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're going to be Jesus. This side is yours. Okay, so in a minute, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you start going to individuals and say, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Okay, and when they're saved, when you're saved, you can sit down, but you have to go to individually to everyone. Okay, that's that's uh, localized ministry. This side is multiplication ministry. Everybody on each end of the rows is going to turn to the person next to them and say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And then everybody who's, then the next person turns because it's multiplication ministry. So they're doing, everybody who believes, then they, and when you're done, sit down. So when you have believed, you sit down, you have to do everybody, you guys on each sides of the rows, you're going to do everybody in your row. Ready, set, go. Sit down when you're done. 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 Okay. Paula, you're doing a great job, but you, you've the... Come back over here. Jesus, you did good. All right. Have a seat. Have a seat. Do you see how quick this went? That's multiplication. That's what the Spirit wants to do in us. Okay. It's not, it's not pastor's jobs, okay? It's not those who are hired and paid to do, tell about Jesus. I'm going to have to answer a lot more than you are, okay? But it's everybody, every believer has that call. And the way we reach the world is just like that. And you see how fast it can be done? One person, well, that's what Jesus is saying. That's why he says, it's better that I go. Because I'm going to send you an advocate, counselor. He's going to be not only with you, but within you. And you're going to testify. And that's what multiplication looks like. Okay? Again. Um, and then what does he say? The multiplication. We are to testify as the Holy Spirit testifies in us. And specifically here in this passage, he says, he, as he proves the world to be in, wrong, in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin is unbelief. 
Righteousness is about how I am made right with God and judgment because the ways of this world are wrong. Many people in this world believe that the way you get right with God is on your own terms. But that's not at all what God says. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And you know what? It's only, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's a very inclusive, because it's so too for everybody, but very exclusive that you must believe. And that is the message we are to multiply out. Okay? Well, the Holy Spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit multiplies. And then finally, in this passage, the Holy Spirit sanctifies. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will, only sp he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he has made known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Sanctify is just a churchy word that means set apart. Okay? Set apart uh, for specific purpose. I'm a runner. Um, I started running. I was never not a runner in high school or grade school because I hated running. I was slow and I couldn't go far. That's a terrible combination <laughs> for running. Okay? But here's the deal. I started running and it, because of asthma. And it helped, you know, I had a farmer friend who told me, you know, uh, you should run some. And I'm like, I hate running. He's like, do you like breathing? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> anyway, um, I was like, you know, yeah. So I tried it. And, you know, I went out and run around the track one time and I felt like I was going to give birth to a lung. It was bad. But he's like, you can't quit after that. You got to run two laps and three laps. And pretty, by, sure enough, uh, he was right. And for the last 40 years, I've had a very much more quality life um, just because I've run. But I have running, and I have running shoes, okay? But those running shoes don't get used for anything else, okay? I keep them just for running because they're not cheap. Um, but, they're, but they're built for me running. They're not built for like basketball and sidestepping and everything. They're specifically built, made for that. Those shoes are sanctified for my running, right? That's what it means to be sanctified, to be set apart. When you place your faith in Jesus, you have been sanctified for his use. You've been set apart for him. And we are to, our lives are not our own anymore. They've been bought with a price and then we're honor God with our body, right? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith in Son of God who loved me and died for me. We have been set apart, okay? Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We have been set apart. You and I are, as believers, are vessels that are, be, are designated for God's use. For God's use. The Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth, and he'll speak only what he gets from God. He'll tell us what's ahead, and will point us to people, people to Jesus, so he is glorified. So what is our role? We're to testify. Okay? A witness fails when they don't tell the truth or they change the truth, okay? 
I know we think of sin oftentimes as things we do, which is true. Those are sins of commission. But what we don't think about oftentimes is the sins that we don't do. Those are sins of omission. Because the scripture says, he who knows the good he ought to do, but does not do it is what? It's sin to him or her. And so oftentimes, I, I wonder how often some of my sins are sins of omission. Okay? Again, a witness fails when they don't tell the truth or they change the truth, right? Okay, we don't want to change it. There's a, there, we, I know it's easy in our culture. Um, let me share something with us all. You, you can be compassionate and still have convictions. You can love people and still have convictions, okay? I know the world says that when you, if you don't accept somebody for all they, all they believe in and do, that you hate them. That's a lie, okay? And then it also says that if you love someone, you believe in everything they, they're, they're a part of, and that's also a lie, okay? Let's remember, we can love people, have compassion for people, even though we disagree with them. And side note here, we're not about, we're not about the elephant or the donkey, we're about the lamb. Okay? Amen. We're about the lamb. That's what we're about, the gospel. That's what we're all about. And so, I say to you, so what? How is God moving you to testify? That's evangelism. How is God moving you to testify? You know? Who is God leading you to whom you could multiply his witness with? That's disciple making. When he said to go and make disciples, that's that whole multiply thing. Right? And we were never meant to do this alone. One of the things I'm trying to do is when I start reading a book, I'm like, I, I just want to read it with somebody else. Get somebody else to read it with me because that's kind of discipling. It's kind of going through things together. And so we can do that. Is there an area of your life you have not set apart for God? And that's just personal growth. You know, our, our, our mission in our student ministry, I can turn to the back of my shirt here, is to know, for every student to know Jesus to grow deeper and to make him known, okay? That's what we're a part of. And that's all that we see in this passage too, okay? I want to help you this morning with a tool we use in our student ministry called the gospel and our prayer care share strategy. When you came in, you were handed a card like this. If you don't have one, I'm sure some of the people in the back might be able to get you one. You raise your hand if you didn't get one. But if you have one of these, okay? Um, I want you to look at the side that has God's story. Okay, we, again, we've challenged our students to memorize this God story so they can know how to tell the story of God, how to share the gospel. By the way, it's an acrostic that spells out gospel. Okay, God, and we'll, we'll go through that in a little bit. But we've challenged our students to memorize this, okay? That's my challenge for you over this next week too, is to memorize this. It's a tool. By the way, when I go to a steak restaurant, I don't go for the plate. I go for the steak. The gospel is the steak. I don't, it doesn't matter what tool you use. This is a tool. Four spiritual laws. I mean, I've seen a lot of them. Romans Road, uh, good news, bad news. Whatever you use, the gospel is the steak. Serve up the steak to our friends, okay? This is a tool. So that's the first challenge. Then you can flip it over. And on the other side, it's our prayer care stra share strategy. And I just want to walk you through this. This is a little bit of a training time, okay? Okay, because I like to put to practice what I learn, okay? Because they say if you don't put to practice in, within 48 hours what you learn, you probably won't. 
Okay? So we, want, we don't want to be that. We want to be doers of the word, not hearers only. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. This is our strategy. You know, we talk about if we want every student to know Jesus, grow deeper, and make, him known, make Jesus known to their friends, then how do we do that? Well, then this is our strategy. We do it by prayer, care, share. So we be, I want you to think of two or three friends that you have, that you're in contact with, that don't know Jesus yet. Just think of those two or three friends that you're around that don't know Jesus yet, okay? And I want you to think, and I want you, if you have a pen, to write their names down on here. You can do it later if you don't have a pen with you, but to write their names down on here. It's what I call the red Toyota truck syndrome, okay? I never saw red Toyota trucks on the road when I was driving, but then I bought one. And suddenly, you know, those red Toyota trucks are everywhere because I see them now. And the same is true. You start praying for your lost friends and you'll start seeing your lost friends. And God's Holy Spirit in you will want to testify to them. So then what's the next step is care. How do you bring God up? You care for him. You're, you're hanging out with him. We use ask, admire, admit just to get to know people. It's a building relationships, asking questions about them, getting to know them, what they're a part of things, ad admiring things that, that they're a part of. I love doing that. We have so many students that can do so many things. I'm so impressed with our students. There's so much to admire about them. And then just eventually admitting the reason you need Jesus is because you're so bad. Okay? And, and if you don't believe that, then you need to read the Bible a little bit more. Start in Romans 3. Anyway, I'm just saying, that's what we do. It's, it's a posture of humility, isn't it? When you're sharing with somebody, you come in with a posture of humility and you get a chance to share with them. So, hang on a second here. <clears throat> you pray daily for them, you're caring for them, you're asking questions, ask, admiring, admitting, and eventually God will open the door for you to share the good news of Jesus with them. Because he's done it, I see him happen in my life all the time as I'm asking and getting to know people. He, you know, there's an open door. So here's, we're going to practice that this morning. So if you have a cell phone, take it out. Okay? All right? And here's what you do, and I'm going to do this with you. I'm pulling up one of my friends that I've been praying for that doesn't know Jesus yet. Okay? And here's what I want you to, I just want you to text them this question. Hey, what are you thankful for? I mean, it's Thanksgiving week, right? What are you thankful for? Okay, so I'm going to do that. They it won't seem tr truly odd that you've sent them a question about Thanksgiving, okay? And then I want you to say a quick prayer, and I want you to send it. What something like this does is it opens the door for an opportunity to begin a conversation. They may ask you, what are you thankful for? And you'll be able to share with them the good news of Jesus as well. And don't, I mean, if you're not thankful for the good news of Jesus, don't lie to them, okay? All right, but hopefully you are. But I'm just saying, it opens the door for conversation because sometimes, you know, you're thinking, how do I transition this, you know? Um, you know, man, it's hot outside. Hell's hot too, you going there? No, <laughs> don't do that, don't do that, okay? Don't do that, okay? Those are terrible transitions. But do you ever, I mean, so, you know, sometimes it, it feels a little awkward, but natural things like just asking what they're thankful for is a great way. And, uh, and he already responded. That's awesome. And it's going to be an opportunity for me to 
be able to talk with him later. Okay, so anyway, that is a way. We do this a lot with our students because it helps them, you know, even when Christmas comes up, we're gonna say, hey, send your friend a text. What do you guys do for Christmas? You know, something like that because you know what? It gets them talking. It gets the conversation going. And you'll be, God will lead you and give you an opportunity to share with them. The Holy Spirit that Jesus sends to live within believers he wants us to testify about Jesus. Man, he wants to multiply our opportunities to testify. And man, he wants to sanctify us, to set us apart. He wants us to know that, man, your life, I created you for this purpose. Man, I want to use you. And he wants to set us apart. So what does that look like in your life? What, what, is, what does it look like in my life? I, I just want to share a story. Uh, a few years back, uh, we had some Jehovah's Witnesses come to our door and I get Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses that come by our place all the time and we invite them in and we just, we just talk with them. You know, I get my Bible out and we just start going through and we had been going, you know, I'd ask them a lot of questions. Her, her name was Shirley and she had a friend with her. I can't remember her friend's name, um, but Shirley was kind of leading the conversation and, and you know, I, I, she would bring up the fact that they believe that Jesus is the son of God, but they don't believe he is God. And I would say, well, what do you do with the Colossians verse where it says like all the fullness of deity dwells in, in bodily form in Jesus. And, and I, you know, other things were, were uh, in John one, it says the word was with God, the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us is Jesus and and so well they have their own translation of the Bible just so you know too um, and even Greek scholars who are not believers say it's a really bad translation okay um, so we were talking and we were spending some time together and you know it was all great um, but we had to end up we ended up having to agree to disagree which is fine um, but I said to them as they were getting ready to leave I said would you do me a favor Shirley would you please not go to the rest of my neighbors here in my cul-de-sac or in, in, uh, in my neighborhood here? Um, would you just do, not do that? And she said, well, you know, she, she got a little snarky. I think she had her sassy pants on. Um, <laughs> and she just, she said, uh, well, we were, we, were, we were allowed to do that, so we're going to. And I said, would you just wait for a minute here? And I ran back to my room, and Jean, Jean's like, where are you going? I said, I'll be back in a little bit. And I, and I grabbed my Bible. And I said, I said, okay. And, and I just followed him to, you know, Anthony's house, which is my neighbor. And so Anthony opened the door and he says, hey, Mr. Bell. I said, hey, Anthony. I said, hey, when these ladies are done, can I have a minute with you? And he said, okay. And so they gave their spiel, you know, and I came up to Anthony. And I said, Anthony, you know me. You, you know that if you ever have any questions about God or Jesus, the Bible, you can ask me. He says, oh, I know I have. And he, ha he had. He said, I go, these ladies are telling you things that are not true. And so we went to the next house. Hey, Suzanne. Hi, <laughs> Mr. Bill. And she says, hey, Suzanne. And I said, hey, when these ladies are done, can I just have a minute with you? And she said, sure. So they went on, gave their spiel. And I came up and said, Suzanne, you know, you know me. And, you know, you're, you're, our daughters play together and you're over our house all the time. I said, you know, if you have any questions about Jesus, God, or the Bible, you can ask me. And I'd love to help you. And she says, oh, I know. And, and I go, these ladies are sharing lies with you, things that are not true about Jesus. And so we went to the third house and same thing, you know, hey, hey uh, uh, it was John, John and Sandy, I think. Anyway, hey, how's it going? Hey, hi, Mr. Bill, you know, same thing, same thing. And I, so finally, Shirley looks at me and says, why are you doing this? I said, Shirley, 
I said, do you have a daughter? She says, yeah, I do. I said, if somebody gave your daughter some poison, what would you do? She goes, man, I would knock it out of their hand. I'd do whatever I could to, to not let them get that poison. I said, exactly. I said, you are poisoning my neighbors. And I was, I was kind. I wasn't mean, but it was true. I said, you're telling them things about Jesus that are not true from the Bible. And I love my neighbors. And I care for my neighbors. And I love you, and I care for you too. But I asked you not to go to them. And I said, and, and because I love them, I'm going to follow you around. So I went to one more house, and I did the same thing. And then finally, they hopped in their cars and left the neighborhood. Um, my neighbors that, at, that evening, every single one of them, came over to my house and thanked me. They thanked me for that. They said, you know, we just feel so awkward. You know, never know what to tell people. And these are, you know, they, they may not have known scriptures as well, maybe or not, but, and not all of them believers, not, most of them not, but they were thankful that I did that. We live in a world where truth is being questioned and we cannot be afraid to stand up in truth and love. I did it lovingly, but I also stood for truth. And that's called testify. Spirit that God sends us is going to testify. We also are called to testify. That's what the passage says today. And we're to represent the Lord in that. And man, I don't know, um, maybe you're here today, first of all, and you've not yet placed your faith in Jesus. Can I just tell you, this is really great news. You can do that right here, right now, today. I've been in your place where I didn't know Jesus and I went to some stupid church thing is what I called it then. <laughs> um, and I got invited by a friend. I went and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I, I believed and I received. You can believe. And what do you need to believe? It's that story that's written on that card that God created you to be with him in the beginning. Man, Adam and Eve had this perfect personal relationship with the creator that made them and they were chilling in the garden it was awesome but our sins separate from God they chose to disbelieve God they chose to disbelieve and that's caused separation God put them outside of the garden and every one of us since then has been born separated from God okay and those sins they can't be removed by good deeds we see that right there in Genesis. Genesis, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they opened their eyes, saw they were naked, woo! And uh, they looked and they said, okay, we've got to cover ourselves, and they put fig leaves on, right? But you know what God did later? That wasn't acceptable because they were trying to make themselves acceptable for God on their terms. God killed an animal and put skins on them to show them that the wages of sin now is death. But here is the amazing great news that paying the price for sin, Jesus died and he rose again. He paid the price. His, his death, burial, and resurrection, his payment for sin was, was, was full. It was paid in full. It was like Mark on, a, on, on whatever you've just finished paying off, paid in full. Jesus took what, the sin that we had, paid for it on the cross. And everyone who trusts in him alone can have eternal life. And that life... We think eternal life, God saved us from hell. That's only half the picture. He saved us to an amazing life to live right now. Okay? That life starts now when you believe and lasts forever. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you can do that by believing today. 
Maybe you're here today and you've already placed your faith in Jesus, but the the Holy Spirit's convicting you that maybe you have not testified. Um, You've been quiet when you should have spoke up or maybe you spoke up when you should have been quiet, right? Man, I've got good news for you. If you, what does the scripture say in 1 John? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. I love that God gives us a do-over and a start-over. Aren't you glad for that? Man, I feel like I'd have to do that hourly. Okay? Maybe instead of living for Jesus, you've been living for the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Right? Man, you can start today. Say, you know what? I have been the center of all I do. And man, I want today to be the day that I say, you know, Jesus is is king. He's on the throne of my life. Man, you can do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege it is to know you, to make you known. God, I pray that as we um, leave here, we'll be changed. Father, if there are any here who have not placed, or today's the day they place their faith in Jesus, I pray they'd talk to somebody. They'd let somebody else know. Father, I pray for those who already believe in Jesus and who sent that text to a friend. I pray that they would begin a conversation with that friend and it would lead to a, a conversation about you. And ultimately, it would lead to their believing in Jesus, your son. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here and doing what you do best, and that's to encourage, convict, and empower us to do what you called us to do. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.